Welcome to Back to Us, the podcast. Join us, Lynn and Carolyn, as we decompress after leaving the fire and brimstone of evangelical spaces. I'm Carolyn. This is Lynn. Welcome to our podcast. Full disclosure, this is the 400th time we've tried to record. <laughs> Leave it to us to start a podcast during Mercury Retrograde, which we were just talking about. Oh, it's the astrological phenomena where Mercury appears to be moving backwards. And for some reason, that's supposed to really mess with everyone's technology. And you're not supposed to start new things. So what are we doing? We are starting a podcast involving all the technology during Mercury retrograde. So I won't be surprised if this doesn't record at all, but we're going to try. Anyway, that was very wordy. (laughs) So Lynn is my beautiful cousin. And we're just going to do some intros real quick. So Lynn, who are you? What are you about? What's going on in your world? Thanks, Carolyn. Well, I'm Lynn, and I'm in New York, born and raised here. Um, I am a former evangelical Christian. I'm who... so sorry to hear that. <laughs> Thank you, Carolyn. Anyhow, I cut you off already. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, so, yeah, that came about um, when I was in graduate school. I was getting my master's in theological studies, finished that in 2019, and then yeah, actually, at the very end of 2019, I got baptized in the Russian Orthodox Church. Wow. So I was born and raised evangelical. Um, this is where Carolyn and I share our common background um, and leads us into all of our forthcoming conversations. So we have shared background, um, divergent current beliefs. However, this is our common ground, and we're just hoping that we can work through our own things and help others through our conversations who have similar situations well so said. that's um, about it how about you carolyn well 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 um i'm really trying to speak low because i realize that my voice is much higher than i think so i'm trying not to reach that really annoying charlie day frequency which is cute when he does it it's not cute when i do it so <laughs> speak down here in my radio voice <laughs> Anyway, yes, I, like my beautiful cousin here, did grow up in the evangelical tradition, more specifically the Wesleyan tradition. And oh, yeah, both of us did. Yes, we were both very good Wesleyan girls. Um, and when I was around 20, that's about the year that I sort of unceremoniously tumbled my way out of the church. Um, I didn't plan to leave. Uh, it just kind of happened because basically I made friends outside of the community and I found that to be very helpful because I realized more about things I really enjoyed, things I actually loved doing, like acting in theater. And the Wesleyans didn't have any time for that because <laughs> like, why would they? Um, which we can, I do want to talk about that in another episode as well because it's interesting how I thought that world was going to be like this liberating thing but it actually ended up being super high demand just like the evangelical world was so that's kind of another thing but um so belief system wise though i did not stay in the church i don't know where i met i'm kind of an agnostic but i am into all the fun mystic stuff so anything that's woo woo anything like astrology like i mentioned earlier tarot cards oracle cards I don't know. Numerology. I don't know anything about numerology, but I'm sure I'd be into it and crystals and all that stuff. I love it all. Um, But I think I'm most, I'm mostly into like the tarot oracle tradition because it's really quite beautiful. And I think that people don't quite understand. They think it's really scary or like demonic, like we were taught. (laughs) Um, 
So that's something that I really sort of got into. And I guess I think of spirituality as something that just unites us all. Like I feel like consciousness, how I feel about consciousness is how other people feel about God. So I kind of feel like God is consciousness. That got a little bit existential. I don't know about you, uh, Lynn, but my whole life, I pretty much took issue with a lot of the the Wesleyan teachings. Like it just didn't seem right to me. Like I always had these like existential questions that never got answered. Did you feel like that too when you were a kid? Yes and no. And I have trouble remembering a lot of it. Most of what I remember is that I, my, it seems like you were able to pick out the questions that you had. I drowned out questions because I wanted to have the right responses. And Carolyn and I, we have talked recently about some of the things that we found in our diaries. Um, we've both been reading through some of those in preparation for this. So I found that I had written a lot of phrases and words and terms that I don't even, I wouldn't use them today. And I, I think I was writing them back then because I thought that I was supposed to. Um, I was trying to adopt the right, uh, I guess, Wesleyan views, even via my own personal journaling. So, yeah, I was trying to say and live out the things that I was surrounded with. And then when I got older, I realized I had some questions. I actually, I don't know if I told you this, Carolyn, but I did stop going to church for a a while, mostly in college because I was busy. Um, And I didn't have a car. I went to chapel on campus, but um, yeah, I guess I was starting to get disillusioned more with the, I guess I'm going to call it semi-liturgical traditions within Protestantism. But the thing is in college too, I I had more questions in college because I did start to take Old and New Testament courses. I also met Christians of various traditions um, because I was at school in New England. There was a huge Catholic presence on campus, which growing up we were told that Catholics are not saved. So yeah, that was a big deal. And I I remember feeling kind of like edgy because I went to a school that had Catholic (laughs) ministry. So yeah, that was the challenge for me. And I started, you know, just seeing more of the commonalities between various Christian traditions. And yeah, from there, I guess, then, then I really started wrestling with deeper questions and searching for the tradition that I wanted to be in. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because the more I've sort of gotten involved with like the ex-evangelical movement, like I've been listening to some podcasts and just doing some reading and stuff. And I think it's interesting how many people that walked away actually have been the ones that have studied theology and done the reading and really delved into, even delved into the Bible and really tried to understand it. Because I think we want it to make sense. And I feel like people who are still in the church today don't quite understand that. Like they see people that walk away and they think, oh, they're just not trying or they just want to sin. You know, they're just trying to make excuses or whatever. But no, like we really, really, we studied, we read, we did all the stuff we were supposed to do. And it's like, for me, it just felt eventually like I can't fit that square peg in that round hole. Or is it round peg in the square hole? I don't know. (laughs) I always get that wrong. But anyway, it wouldn't fit. And I I wanted it to work so badly. And like you were saying about the journals, like when I go back and read them, it's just, it's heartbreaking because I literally had questions like, um, who are we? Why are we here? Are we some kind of dream? 
are we a figment of someone's imagination? And I was in high school trying to convince my high school boyfriend to go to youth group, but I didn't want to be there myself. So it was like this constant thing. And like you were saying about finding words in your journal that you couldn't have come up with yourself. I found that I wrote one in grade 10 about how I wanted to be an actor. And I told my parents, which again, didn't go well. And um, I said, I told them that I could take a stand and everybody would know if I was a famous actor, take a stand. I didn't come up with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like take a stand for Jesus is what I was getting at. Oh, I, I take see. a stand and everyone would know. Like, that's not what I wanted like, to do. Like, that's, like, yeah, that's like what they wanted to hear. But anyway, um, I just rambled. I ramble a lot. I'm going to try not to, but anyway, yeah. So I just got into the kind of the woo woo stuff and, um, I don't know. I guess I like the freedom of being able to sort of pick the things that resonate with me and leave the rest. Like, that's just kind of something I enjoy. What is it about Orthodox? What is it about the Orthodox Church that really kind of lights you up that the evangelical tradition maybe didn't have? The candles. Oh, literally. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. They do light me up. Um, well, Carolyn, I do think that there is some similarity between both of us in like wanting to reach out and and just explore what was out there besides what we grew up with. And I think we should define that what we grew up with was very exclusive in the sense that like I would say that I'm Wesleyan before I would say that I was Christian. Yeah. Was that true for you too? Yeah. 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 So it was very like this is even amongst like Protestants like this is the correct denomination of protestantism which i'm not sure every evangelical denomination would say that i know they have different ways of doing things but i don't know maybe that's something i should know having been to seminary but um no what appealed to me was well first of all some family background in that i had heard about it but i was always told that it was incorrect not really christian so our shared ancestors were Orthodox. And I'm just going to say Orthodox because Greek Orthodox, Russian Orthodox, it's all the same. Some things are different, more for ethnic tradition reasons. Like some people put candles in kind of a candelabra and some people put them in uh, kind of like a sand box, more common in Greece. Oh, yeah, traditions. yeah, so... Um, Anywho, I'd heard about it, um, was kind of curious. And then when I was in, when was this? I was out of college for a couple of years and one of my friends invited me to the Pascha Easter liturgy, which was at midnight. And I was very curious at the, at the entire, the entire experience. I was kind of, I was really enjoying it, but feeling guilty for enjoying it and trying to find reasons that I should disagree with it. And I remember coming home and saying to my mom, like, I understand why grandma left this. But I remember thinking, like, I was supposed to say that. Yeah. Because inside I was like, that was amazing. And I loved it. And what appealed to me was that it's a full sensory experience Mm. of worship. You're visually involved through iconography you smell incense, you hear chanting of an ancient, well, there's all different types of chanting, but back to Byzantine era, um, Middle Ages, I mean, it's just, all of your senses are involved. Um, 
I'm trying to think of like, like tactile, I guess, well, you know, we make the sign of the cross and when you bike and like you're doing things and you're, you can walk around, you're not, um, I mean, in the Russian tradition, there's no pews. There are places to sit. And if you want to sit down, like nobody cares. Um, people aren't watching each other. I've heard a priest say like, if, you know, especially people visiting say like, what, what if I'm not doing things right? What if I'm not? And the answer is, well, if somebody else is watching you, then they've got a bigger problem mm, than you do. True. So yeah, I guess that was what attracted me was that all of your senses are involved. It's very clear that like, we are here to worship God. Like, shouldn't be watching other people like we're not looking at what people are wearing like if somebody walks in and they're not like wearing something like appropriate then again the problem's on you for looking at another person and right judging how they're dressed when you are probably really dirty on the inside mm-hmm. which like obviously we all have tendencies to be dirty in the inside um i know what you mean though like you know. like in the wesleyan church there was so much emphasis on especially as women like what are we wearing how are we tempting men and like there was always the sort of check after you or before you leave the house to go to church like okay is everyone appropriate i remember um yes yes and then even extending outside of that too like going to school and everything oh and for what else attracted me i guess well i was in seminary and it just dawned on me that um and we should say too, like throughout our podcast, like Carolyn and I obviously believe very different things, but we are just going to say what it is and we have love and respect for each other. So yes, we do. We're not going to try to convert each other. <laughs> there it is. You know, I, I remember there was this exercise where our professor said, this was during the Protestant Reformation course. And this is where me and a couple of other Protestant friends were like joke in the back about how, oh, I'm going to become Orthodox. Ooh, I'm going to become Catholic. <laughs> Meanwhile, the other former Catholics in the class <laughs> were like really into the Reformation. Anywho, um, imagine so being really into the Reformation. <laughs> it was really interesting. I mean, there was so much to learn. Like, it wasn't just yeah. concentrated in Germany. Like, there was stuff happening all over Europe. But um, yeah, our professor said, "If you, we got to the Eucharist, whether this is symbolic or actually the body and blood of Christ." Mm-hmm. And he said, "Organize yourselves like in a line." This side of the room is, if you are 100% set on, it is purely symbolic. This side is, you are completely certain it is straight up the body and blood of Christ. Put yourself somewhere where you are on that spectrum. And I found myself, like, here's the middle, like, over here. And I was surprised by that. And there were a couple of other people over there, too. But then in that moment, I guess, you know, I realized, okay, my views are shifting. And I also started to think, well, if it's just a symbol, then what is all of this for? Fair point. Right. And so I guess, yeah, then then all the other questions started coming and reading, reading, reading. Um, I did marry somebody who was um, baptized Orthodox. So he wasn't, I mean... It, it's a whole story, but um, basically we both kind of came back to it like together. So I forget what the story. Oh, what appeals to us about our our various beliefs? Yeah, I just want to say too. I remember you had told me about what um, what it sort of entailed, like when you joined the Orthodox tradition. I found it really interesting and actually kind of refreshing that they called you into a meeting. You can explain it better than I could, but they basically asked you like, "Why do you want to join?" Whereas with evangelical Christianity 
it's like just get the people to join here's pizza here's i don't know whatever it is a field trip to the whatever like just get the people in the church and it like doesn't even matter if they know what everything's about it just it seemed like almost a trick just to get people in the door but can you maybe speak to that a little bit yeah sure and that was something that like appealed to me as well was there weren't any like cool graphic designed tracts mm. like tons of papers you get handed when you go into the service it's just an experience where they're, you're there to worship god and i mean there are pamphlets like for people who are interested like pamphlets that describe what we believe they're yours for the taking no one's shoving them at you so um yeah it is so what happened i showed up um i went to pasca and then i showed up again at pentecost which was around seven weeks later and then i decided i'd like to get into this and so like i'd, I'd like to become a catechumen which means like you're on the path to conversion to baptism and the whole purpose of being a catechumen is so that you can learn I mean, like speedy baptisms, like they have happened in the past, but um, a lot of priests prefer people to even be a catechumen for a year so that you can learn, yeah, not just have all the facts, but really make sure that in your entire being of your mind and your heart, like you know what you are doing and this is what you want to do because it's, it's a way of life. I should say our parish does not have a lot of outside interest. Mainly, there's a couple of Greek churches in the area who that attract a lot of different backgrounds, and they have more kind of catechumen classes. Hmm. What does the Catholic Church call that? They call that um, catechism. 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 Maybe we call it that too. Um, but they have more like formal classes. Maybe it's just because their churches are bigger. Like we don't have a ton of people every Sunday. Um, we have maybe like around a hundred, but I guess that's a good amount. It's been a lot more since COVID, interestingly. Um, but yeah, it's mostly like if you're in like the Russian, Ukrainian, like Slavic community, you might end up there. Anyway, not a whole lot of outside interest. So my priest was basically just having meetings with me and talking to me. And when I first talked to him, he, it was springtime. He said, I thought it'd be nice to sit outside and just, I could ask him anything I wanted. And he asked me, yeah, what appeals to you? And the same questions we're talking about now, you know, how, how did you get where you are? And we talked and looking back, I'm realizing how much hubris I had on my part. Just, I think Carolyn, we can attest to this, like in the Protestant tradition, sometimes we get our conversations were focused on like nitty gritty things that are maybe not so essential to our salvation. Like, like, I don't know. So my conversation with him was kind of like, Oh, this is why I like orthodoxy because of this interpretation of this and that. But now looking back, I can see how patient and <laughs> kind he was with me. Um, but yeah, it was very much like a process and not just like a, you know, baptize me right now thing. It was a lot of preparation. Actually, you also do need to read. You need to read through one of the gospels, which, you know, growing up, Wesley, and I mean, of course, Carolyn and I, we read tons of scripture, but reading a gospel of your choice again um, with a different perspective was totally mind-blowing. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, Carolyn, how about you? Like, like I know you, so you what did you say, unceremoniously, unceremoniously tumbled out when you were about to tumble. So it's been about, so like what's happened in that time? I just want to say before we move on to that, um, just how you were discussing like the process of joining orthodoxy. 
Um, I think we were talking about this the other day. To me, when I was younger, it felt like, and I didn't know how to describe this or how to really word this at the time, but like in high school, it felt like I was part of a really bad pyramid scheme, or like <laughs> a really crappy family business, but like I had to be part of it and get other people to join. Like it just was this weird feeling of like, all right, well, I'm going to go out and get people for Jesus. But like the reward, I guess, was heaven. But if you don't talk the talk and sell the product, then you're just going to go to hell. So <laughs> I think for me, one of the biggest things that I <sighs> took issue with was just the idea of hell. I really, really had a problem with that. And I didn't really talk about it for a while because it really seemed to be one of the issues that was like you had that that was a thing that was very much a thing you had to believe in heaven and hell it was very binary um and it, and hell was like eternal torment like the devils in red horns with a pitchfork it just it all like really seemed to me to be very human and it seemed the more i read and the more i sort of studied it it just seemed like it was all human characteristics sort of superimposed on the idea of God and devil and, and the hell and everything like that. So, um, but yeah, I guess that goes back to, to what you were asking me about my, my tumble away. <laughs> um, I think when it happened, I felt very, I didn't want to commit to anything. And I think I didn't want to disappoint my family because in the Wesleyan tradition and like many other Protestant traditions, um, the non-believers, the unsaved folks are are going straight to hell. So like, I didn't want my family to be concerned and to think that I was going to burn for all of eternity. So I, for a while, would just say like, well, I think I'm just taking a break. Like, I'm going to go back. And I kind of assumed I had to go back. Like, I think I wrote even in my journals, I said like, well, this is it for now, but I definitely am going to need to go back at some point just because it felt like something I had to do. But um, I remember being legitimately confused that things I wanted in my life started happening as soon as I left Christianity, because they tell you um, in the evangelical church, in the Wesleyan church, you know, they tell you that you can only find true happiness in the church with Jesus. And like, did you guys have in your church, did you have like testimony time where people would stand up and share like, either what the Lord was doing or things they wanted prayer for. Yeah. I know probably maybe this is the same for you. It wasn't like at every service. Yeah. I remember watching people stand up and say like, Oh, my son is off at college and he's questioning, he's questioning the Jesus and we're just praying. And I just kept picturing my parents doing that. And it just made me so sad. I was like, I never wanted that. But then, you know, I realized that, uh, the only thing keeping me from saying that I didn't want to do it anymore was the fear of what other people were going to think and feel and all of that. And I think, and maybe you might agree with this too, like at some point we just have to really accept like, what do we want to do for ourselves? Like what makes us happy? What lights us up inside? And, you know, you can only live a lie for, for so long before it really starts to eat away, I think. Um, and that whole, it wasn't just like that whole year that I left, I was kind of involved with a group of people that maybe weren't my people. I didn't really know that at the time, but, um, their sort of version of Christianity was very, um, I mean, it was Protestant too, but it was very charismatic. There was a lot of speaking in tongues and mm -hmm. I felt the whole time, like I wasn't really good enough to be there cause I didn't do that stuff. Um, 
So I really started to feel at one point, like I wasn't non-Christian enough to be with the non-Christians, but I certainly wasn't Christian enough to be with the Christians. But then as soon as I met friends outside of the church, that's really what um, I felt like inspired for the first time. And I just felt like more like myself. I'm actually going to read a quote that I really love. This is Sarah Bessie from her book, Jesus Feminist. And um, I was listening to her podcast she did with uh, Brenda from God is Gray, which I love that podcast. I think uh, Brenda's awesome. But she said, once you taste love, you are ruined for the empty shells of religious performance and conditions. Which I thought was really beautiful because like, once I knew true friendship and true relationships with people without having to have this whole thing of like, well, what's God doing in your life? And what does God want for you? And press into the word and all this stuff. I literally, I just had people asking me how I was and caring about how I was. And, you know, like, what do you want to do? What do you like? You know, and so it just felt really freeing to have genuine relationships with people without having to defer to religion. And that was something I wasn't really expecting. Like, I, I didn't expect to feel that sort of cascading feeling of relief that I felt like when I stopped, stopped going, stopped trying to make something work that wasn't working. It was a very long answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> you realize a lot of things too. Like I remember like you feeling like I needed to have the right responses to people. Um, yeah. And also to be positive all the time and sometimes even look for things that were going well in my life because I think that the assumption was, I don't know, sometimes it was like bad things happen to good people and we just need to have faith and get through it. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, there did seem to be this thing about like, if you are right in your faith, then God will make things go right for you all the time. So I was very confused about that. I remember being like, well, and sometimes in certain, later on, I got into another church where it was even financial, you know, kind of prosperity gospel teaching, which is like, you know, if, if you do well with a little bit of money, God will probably give you more. Oh boy, that's dangerous. So, right, right, right. And it was like this thing of, well, if I don't have anything to say about, well, what, what do you see God doing in your life right now? Well, well, like right now I would tell you like, there's nothing, it, it had to be like, there's something extraordinary happening all the time. Mm-hmm. If there's not something extraordinary happening, then you're, you might, you're probably not close enough to God. But right now I can feel like I say, well, I have a loving husband and a home and people who care, who I love and care about me. And like, those are the things now that I would say, like, that's where God's working my life. It doesn't have to be something like an intense spiritual experience or, you know, that was the thing, like speaking in tongues and like having like dreams and stuff like that. Like that was kind of expected, like of a person who's, in the right way. What church were you at where they were do where they were speaking in tongues? Because the Wesleyans, to my knowledge, weren't about that. Yeah, um, I ended up. Well, I visited some Pentecostal churches in college, and then, strangely enough, um, I explored Messianic Judaism. Right, and, I remember that. Yes, that was several years. Again, also looking for liturgy, liturgical liturgical um, worship, mm-hmm. um, and wanting kind of more like uh, rooted in tradition experience um yeah we'll have to talk about that sometime but yeah i was surprisingly there is a lot of evangelical influence in messianic judaism and speaking in tongues was one of them i should also say as a disclaimer i do feel that 
what we say is not trash talking like like protestantism and christianity of the evangelical persuasion it's just that in our experience we were damaged by some of the teachings some of the teachings that were passed on to us were based on fear Mm -hmm. and one of the major reasons we're doing this podcast is because we want to dialogue about this in a way that could be beneficial for others and ourselves yeah i mean we have stories about you know personal relationships in the church that were damaging but i know there's many protestants that are way more have better hearts than i do that are more you know right with god than i am and will ever (laughs) maybe it's just i guess what i'm saying is it's not like we're hating on protestants like that's not what we want to do it's that so it's the teachings that were damaging because you know to the stuff that we talk about like wanting to like like i wanted to convert people to wesleyanism not because it was because i i honestly cared about people and i was yeah like we were taught that like unless that person is also this type of christian they're not going to be in heaven so if I really love this person. Like, I remember like being worried about my Catholic friends, like, Oh my gosh, I have to tell them about the rapture. And again, another, Oh, we're, we'll get into that. Another, <laughs> like, unless we, unless I tell them this, like, they're not going to be like, it was out of love for others. So I see that it is out of love for other people that these people are genuinely concerned and loving. And that's why when you stop being Protestant, um, they worry about you very much. And of course, I know that happens with with Catholics, with Orthodox people, with any, you know, Muslims, Jews, like any any religion in the world, the parents are pro- and loved ones are probably going to be upset if you veer from that. You bring up a really good point, though. And I think that's one of the things we talked about before. Like, I agree with you. Like, I'm not, it's, it's not specific people with, of course, there's obviously some exceptions, like really right. abusive situations abusive people mm-hmm. obviously call them out like 100 but it's really the system behind the people that I, i'm interested in calling out because there's some really beautiful things about christianity but there's a lot of it especially within your conservative evangelical like calvinist circles that are very damaging and like very victim blaming there's a lot of trauma and i don't think it has to be that way like it makes me sad that they're intertwining these things with um, something that could be a really beautiful tradition. Like same with me, like I remember being so anxious thinking that if I didn't convert my friends, like I'm like, oh, I'm there, I'm all they have. Like what if they never hear about Jesus from anyone else? And if they go to hell, it's gonna be my fault. So it's not that I was a bad person per se, it was just, we were taught this, you know? And it would be weird if our family members weren't worried actually with, with that teaching, right? Like, I guess maybe it's flattering. I don't know. <laughs> you know what you made me think of actually, like when you were talking about how all of the conversations had to be started by like, you know, what's God doing in your life right now? And like, actually since being Orthodox, I haven't, I've never been asked that question. Wow. People say, how are you? And it's almost like they avoid looking for experiences or look, looking for like i don't know how to word this all i'm going to say is it's just not like that like of course we don't shy away especially amongst each other of talking about you know faith in our lives and things like that but because we see that life here in the present is very important like we are not just passing through mm-hmm. we do talk about all facets of our life and we know that god like 
guides our lives and everything. And so when I was first talking to my husband um, on the phone, I was in military training. I was very far away. So the phone was all we had. We were just getting to know each other. We had already met. Um, I didn't, I mean, I knew he was Slavic. I didn't really know. I, I knew that he went maybe to church somewhere. I think, I think maybe I knew that he was going to a Slavic Pentecostal church at the time. But one of the first things I asked him, I think was that was like, where are you at in your faith? Wow. And he was like, I don't remember. He, he just got uncomfortable. And I remember being like, oh, I'm so worried. Like, what if, what if this isn't going to work out? Oh my gosh. I'm like, now looking back, I'm like, yeah, he was put off. Like, that's not, it's not, that's a very personal thing. That's what it is. It's a very personal thing. Um, if it comes up, then it's between people who trust each other probably very much. Um, but we don't look to probe into somebody's, like the spiritual life is a very personal and sacred thing. Later on, I got that, but it's kind of like, I, I find it very easy to get lost. Like you can talk about, you know, what's God doing in your life and like all these superficial, I feel like they're superficial questions, um, at least in my experience, but it's easy not even to get to know the person. Oh yeah. hundred percent. What do you mean? Like, right. Cause you're like, at least in my experience like sometimes we were so focused on like having the right asking the right having the right conversations the safe conversation yeah that's like the orthodox tradition is just more tolerant overall like it just seems like they're not as bothered by people having different beliefs than them right and I, i feel like it can come up like in i'm sure there are like people who would say like you know protestants are and and i was falling into that too at the beginning because i was just realizing so much stuff about my past and then actually my priest you know i think he heard me doing that and he was like some of the best you know most kind-hearted and pious people are protestants and they're better than me (laughs) so you know i mean again it's just like kind of him to say actually it is you know and it's just i find on the one hand you know we ortho means I, I believe it means correct and orthodoxy means the, the right way, but it's not something you wave around at people or yell to people on the streets. And it's more through actions and faith and works. We're going to have to get into that later, but um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I think that was surprising to me also was that like the fact that like, they are very tolerant. I, I also do wonder too, in, I mean, in places where orthodoxy is prominent, Greece, Russia, like all of Slavdom, um, you know, the Middle East, like those are places where people have had tumultuous histories, a lot of wars, deportations, like between Greece and Turkey, like Greeks got, you know, resettled in Turkey and then sent back. So you've had a lot more intermingling between Christians and Muslims, Christians and Orthodox and Catholic Christians, like all different types of groups have been mixing longer. So I do wonder if that's part of what's going on. Mm. Tolerance. Yeah, no, it's huge. I think tolerance goes a long way. And I I do want to get into some theological interpretations of some Bible verses too, because like I found what I didn't realize growing up was that the Wesleyans believed in one specific interpretation of the Bible you had to agree with their interpretation. Um, but little did I know there's 40,000 denominations. <laughs> like, if the scripture is really that clear, why are there so many? And why do they all think they're right? You know, so I think it might be interesting to get into some, some things. And maybe like, the Wesleyan 
the evangelical, the translation that they assume, and then maybe some other interpretations that might actually be correct that might oppose that or that might just say something different. Because I feel like the Bible, like again, because of where I'm at now, I don't take it all in like it's an instruction manual, but I think there's some really beautiful things in the Bible. And I think it's, it seems like it's been misinterpreted in many ways and inter- misinterpreted in a way that excludes and margil- marginalizes uh, certain people, which is really unfortunate. Like the love of Jesus and the message of Jesus really seems like it's been just kind of taken and warped. And it's funny, we were, we should actually feature this in a different um, episode. I'm all over the place, but uh, you sent me a video about evangelicals. Uh, misunderstanding or misinterpreting um, orthodoxy. And it was really funny because they're going on about how bizarre it is and how warped it is. And they've got like specific books that they've written on why orthodoxy is wrong. Which is, it's so funny to me that they spend their energy on that. Like why, why write a whole book on why this, like this beautiful, you know, faith that's very similar to your own, by the way, is like, is wrong like to me that's just that's really funny and they weren't understanding it anyway like they were arguing things that weren't even real but anyway i said bizarre that just reminded me of that because i think some of their interpretations are bizarre so there no it's true can i interject something actually absolutely so when i was in the when i was a catechumen um i was having a lot of conversations with my priest about you know basically everything we're talking about right now um and kind of trying to re-understand Protestantism. And he said, well, and he's very loving and, and has inspired me to be more loving also and not be bitter towards my past. Um, but he said, the, the Protestant movement, he said, think about the word Protestant protest. It's based on refuting something else. That's interesting. So writing the books, it just reminded me of that, like that people would spend so much time to refute another type of Christianity that is, you know, I mean, we all have the same roots. It, it's a lot of effort, but it just kind of reminded me of like the essence of Protestantism was that at the beginning was a break off mm-hmm. based on refuting Catholicism and Orthodoxy, yeah. etc. I mean, with valid reasons, I would, I would <laughs> put out there um, in the West. So anywho. Interesting. I just want to, I'd also like to put out there too, like, um, whoever is listening, our two listeners that we have, no, <laughs> that's being generous, or one listener, whoever might be listening. Um, I think there's just so, there's a whole, you know, mixed bag of experiences that people have with evangelicalism. And some people have experienced really serious trauma. And like, we've got our traumas, but like, there's some things that people have experienced where they're not ready to forgive and they are feeling bitter. So I just want to like hold space for people that are feeling like, they they are angry and they're upset and they you know they need to feel that and uh, have that validated so like even though like that's really good that you're at a point where you're not feeling better anymore or maybe whenever we're I don't know but like it's really beautiful that you're able to you know look at your past with love and compassion um, but I also do want to give a shout out to those people that maybe aren't ready for that and maybe they never will be because like there's some I've just heard some really, really traumatizing stories and it breaks my heart that people have had to go through. The church is supposed to be a beautiful experience and it just, it just isn't that for so many people. So, um, yeah, I, I should say too, I, I do struggle with it still. Yeah. 
And the sad thing is that that's the bitterness is sometimes a distraction from my own spiritual growth. Mm. So I, I'm sure I'm not the only one. Well, both of us, we struggle with that. I should say, I mean, I, I know it's, I know it's not right to be bitter towards an entire group of people or, you know, to be in a conversation where I feel like, well, I'm, you know, I know you're just like, that's not right. But at the same time, I think we need to be kind to ourselves too and allow ourselves to feel what we're feeling. Like, it doesn't mean you're going to go up to them and condemn them to hell. (laughs) They might do that to you. I don't know. I hope that they don't. It seems like they do that a lot. Well, it might just be like when we're in conversation, maybe when we hear some of the, I guess I'm going to say catchphrases, yeah. when we hear those things, it just takes us back Yes, that time. And we probably feel like, I feel kind of like, I just feel uncomfortable. Yeah, hundred percent. Like it, phrases, music is a big one too. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it's normal. I mean, it is normal to have very complex reactions to things. Like you might hear a worship song. You might want to like cry for different reasons, you know, like it might be, it might stir up a positive memory that you had and it might be confusing because you might feel nostalgic, but also upset. It might bring back negative things. It can, you know, we can contain all of these, these complex emotions, you know, and I think sometimes that's confusing because sometimes I feel like I should feel a certain way about it. But um, anyway, I don't remember where I was going with that, but I just feel like there's a complexity to the trauma where there's, just many different emotions that these things can bring up. No, it's very true. And I guess that's where it is. Sometimes I'm like, is it a trauma? But it's like, oh, it's not what it is. That was like when you're, you're reminded of it by a lot of different things. And I should say, I was just telling Carolyn earlier that last night, I, it's so funny because this is our first podcast ever. It's been on our minds. Um, I was at a birthday party last night and I met this lovely girl who, um, well, we got to talking about our psychological um, health, which Carolyn and I will also discuss. Um, And how it loops back to this, um, to our um, beliefs and our spiritual life, et cetera. Um, But we we realized we had some mutual friends from a a church that we both used to attend and um, just talked about how we both used to go there. And I didn't really know where she was at. And she mentioned something about, um, you know, having belief in God and during her, her struggle with mental health, et cetera. And I said, well, it can be really nice, you know, to have that when, when we're at our worst. And she said, well, I'm not really in the church lately. Um, You know, where are you at? And I told her where I'm at and, um, she said, you know, I grew up Baptist and I just have some trauma from that. And so that was just really funny that that came up and I told her, you know, we're having this podcast. So maybe, maybe she will be a guest at some point yeah. um, or listen, but it's awesome. it me comfort, not comfort, um, confirmation that there are other people who have experienced what we have and are of course all over the map with where they are now but this is something that's a common thread for many of us that um grew up in such traditions yeah and it it really did take a long time for me to recognize what happened as trauma like um i remember really kind of just thinking about like well i was kind of messed up but maybe that's just a weird quirk about who i am you know i had this weird you know weird group of people i'm not a part of anymore whatever but then i really you know, thought about it. And I did start therapy last year as well. And a couple of things came up and I thought like, 
okay, so this is a real thing. And trauma has less to do about the actual thing that happened and more to do with the response to it is my mm-hmm. understanding. Um, so the same thing can happen to two people, but they might have different trauma responses. That's what I, in the reading I've done, that's what I've kind of come up with. Um, so I know that sometimes it doesn't it feel weird to say like, oh, you know, I had trauma. Like it felt like maybe I was appropriating that experience because some people really do have like, you know, really, really traumatic physical things happen. And because I didn't have that, I thought maybe I, that I don't get to use that, that label or that description, but, um, trauma comes in many different forms. Um, people have many different responses and it takes us all different amounts of time to really kind of accept that and to understand the things that we've been through. I I think. 100% agree. I guess a good example would be, you know, not, religiously related but how two people can be affected different ways there was once where my sister and I were house sitting for our parents and okay so we were both house sitting for our parents having a great time chilling out um it was about 11 around midnight and I was getting into bed I put one leg on the bed and then almost in I said oh what a nice day thank you god this nice day and then I hear banging on the window, which is really strange because it was in the back yard and the yard's fenced in. Um, there's a large field behind my parents' old house. So it, we didn't have, this isn't like a city look like house at all. Like there's no people walking around. So um, my sister's in the shower and long story short, it was just these punks who, <laughs> who were getting <laughs> Vagabonds. No, they were hooligans who were. You do you remember this or no? I think I do. I vaguely remember this, but but this was like 2015, I think, right. and it was terrifying. I mean, the way the sound carried because it's a split level house. Like, it was on the window below my bedroom, and the dog the dogs were just going nuts. Like, it was the type of barking that was like not happy barking. Mm. It was like alarmed barking, and banging and and someone was like yelling hello 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 and I was just like oh this is my nightmare because growing up you know with OCD um this scenario had played out so many times in my mind so I thought oh it's it's happening it's finally happening so I I knew what to do um anyway my sister my poor sister's in the shower we both kind of started to freak out um I really thought there was somebody in the house. So she gets out of the shower, poor things covered in suds, shampoo. And we took on different roles at that point. Uh, She got on the phone and called 911. I think I ended up on the phone at some point because she was really freaking out, probably because, you know, jumping out of the shower, you just feel like really vulnerable and stuff. So... Um, she threw something on and just went in my parents' closet, which was actually, no, I told her to get in the closet because I heard somewhere that you should get in a closet with a phone um, if that happens. So also keep a phone in your closet just in case. So um, yeah, then I found my, we were waiting for the police to show up and I found like a rifle in my parents' room and just held that. I thought somebody was coming up the stairs. This maybe have been some sort of like, delusion from heightened anxiety and you know super anxiety like sometimes you hear things yeah so um at this point I think somebody's coming up the stairs and I'm just like praying in my head just praying 
And then next thing I knew, I, we went downstairs. I think the police were there and they'd run away and everything was fine. And anyway, that has really affected me. Mm. It has not affected my sister. Yeah. That's really interesting. I asked her recently, I said, do you ever get worried about, you know, when you hear noises in the house, like, do you think about that time? And she said, no, I don't really think about it. Hmm. That's really it, interesting. It, yeah. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I was the one that was kind of, I thought like I was the one in like the protective mode, but yeah, it does. It, things affect people in different ways. That was really long. My apologies. No, no, don't apologize. No, it's all good. But yeah, it was just very interesting to think like, wow, she never thinks about that. So I'm sure in our talks, Carolyn, we'll, we'll have different experiences and different. Yeah, for sure. So. We'll remember things maybe that we forgot too. I think even in our talks up till now, we've sort of jogged each other's memories with certain things. So maybe that'll come up, but we should probably wind down this episode. It's been a long one. At least I think it's been a long one. Let me see. How long, how long has it been? I was gonna say, please tell me it's recording. <laughs> The way this day's been going. Are we recording? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was going to be so mad. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, this has been fun. I'm excited. Um, yeah, if you've gotten this far, thank you for listening. Um, we really, really appreciate the support, this being our first podcast and all. And stay tuned because we're going to talk about, you know, family drama. We are going to talk about theology. I think that would be cool since you are the theology expert. <laughs> and oh, the rapture. Oh, we need to. That's the thing I really want to do next is <sighs> we've got some, some uh, wonderful entertainment lined up. I guess maybe I should just leave it at that. <laughs> some really terrible um, evangelical rapture movie entertainment um that just spoiled it that probably narrowed it down actually you know what that didn't really narrow it down which is really sad it's like a whole genre um so we do have some things to say about that so scary it's a we can watch it together it'll be fine it's actually more funny than scary now back then ooh, it was scary but like 